Holy interview, citizens. Hi, this is Burt Ward Robin from the TV series Batman. You're listening to Then Is Now podcast. Wowie zowie, citizens. Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. of a sick school is this? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. You got spunk. <laughs> I hate spunk. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Oh, righty then. How you doing? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Say hello to my little friend. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. What are you people? On dope? Stop whining. I've got a crap on your deck that you choke a donkey. Who is your daddy? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Can I do that? I'll be back. A dynamite! Show me the money! Don't! Up your nose when you left the home. A what? I'm sailing! I'm sailing! Groovy. You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Here's looking at you, kid. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off! Go to the coast. We get together. Have a few laughs. Hear that, Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you, honey. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. I love it when a plan comes together. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. We're on a mission from God. Hello and welcome to another fascinating episode of Then Is Now Podcast. I am your host, Rigor. In talking about pop culture, the world of stuntmen and stunt performance hasn't come up yet on the show, and we're about to change that. On September 8th, 1974, Daredevil Evil Knievel attempted to leap the mile-wide chasm of the Snake River Canyon in Twin Falls, Idaho, on his specially engineered rocket motorcycle. His parachute malfunctioned and opened on takeoff, causing the rocket to float to the bottom of the canyon, landing on the riverbank directly below his launch ramp. If he'd have gone into the river, his safety harness probably would have drowned him. Over 40 years later, a highly talented and prolific stuntman who idolized Knievel ever since he was a kid attempted to recreate the launch over the canyon and finish what the legendary stunt writer had started. The stuntman's amazing story has been chronicled in a documentary that airs on Disney Plus on July 23rd of this year, 2021. So kick back and get ready to learn about not only the life of an incredible stuntman, but also about his amazing career and this awesome jump. Class is in session. 
bad feeling about this. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Hey, you in my class? I am today. I think you should consider transferring to shock class. Whoa, whoa! Now, now, very few students are severely injured in shock class. Bueller. When you were in school. Bueller. Did you ever cut class? Bueller. Yeah, I guess I did. Sure, most kids cut classes. Good. Sign this. Um, he's sick. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance bell oh. ring and all my kids are not here. Seven years of college down the drain. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You lack discipline. As long as I'm here, there will be no grades or gold stars or demerits. We're going to have recess all the time. Woo! Go! Play and have fun now! I'm the face you never see. You see what I do. The last few stunts have been pretty rough. I love my job. I've been doing it for a long time. But I thought by now I would be done doing this to pay the bills. Growing up, the guy that inspired me to be a stuntman was the evil Knievel. In 1974, Evil Knievel went down in the Snake River Canyon. I remember watching Evil Knievel strapped in that rocket like a superhero. Whoa, it looks like a good one. Whoa. This canyon that got him. You got an email. Somebody is building a rocket, and they need a pilot. This rocket was on my lunchbox as a kid. I'm ending my career. I will go out finishing what my hero started. Life's funny like that. So I'm betting everything on this. My reputation and ultimately my life. What will you say to your dad after he does it? Finally. <laughs> this literally is jumping off a cliff. Would you follow your hero over the edge of a cliff? Sometimes it might look impossible. I love Eddie like a brother. I want him to stop doing these dangerous things. Eventually, law of averages, you're going to get taken down. Nobody forced me here. I chose this. This is Evil Spirits. You're loading Eddie in. Launching in five. The rocket's rolling. Stand by. Four. You're looking good. Three. Laser down. Two. Flight initiated. One. Folks, I am so excited to have today's guest on the show. He's a producer, director, actor, and most notably a stuntman. Since 1980, our guest has been the unknown stuntman that makes actors look great. He's doubled for such stars as Charlie Sheen, Lee Majors, and Chuck Norris, among countless others. His TV credits include such classics as The Dukes of Hazard, The Fall Guy, Magnum P.I., the original Flash series, Murder, She Wrote, Prison Break, and Walker, Texas Ranger, just to name a few. You've seen him, or may I, I probably should say that you didn't see him in such films as The Last Castle, Transformers, R.I.P.D., Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, Robocop Three, Army of Darkness, The Avengers, Argo, and Hot Shots Part Deux, again, just to name a scant few. 
In 2016, he successfully performed the one stunt no one, not even his childhood idol, Daredevil Evil Knievel, had ever accomplished. The famed flight over the Snake River Canyon. The entire process has been chronicled in a documentary called Stuntman, hosted by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and is premiering on Disney Plus on July 23rd. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, legendary stuntman, Eddie Braun. Hello, Rigar. Thanks for so much for having me on Then Is Now. Uh, it feels a little awkward that you introduced me as legendary. I don't know. That <laughs> it, it feels awkward having that put next to my name, but thank you nonetheless. Oh, well, excellent. I'm so happy to have you here. And, you know, it's like what you and I kind of talked about a little bit off mic is that you're the unknown stuntman. You're, you're not supposed to be in the limelight. So I can see how it would be hard for you to, you know, to have people that recognize the fact that you've been doing this so well for so long. Well, yeah, it's a, I'm a bit uh, out of my element because, you know, usually I'm supposed to be the face you never see. So it, it's a little, uh, it feels a little different, but, uh, you know, I'm just thankful that people are interested uh, in the film Stuntman. I'm, I'm thankful that uh, The Rock, Mr. Dwayne Johnson, only the biggest action star in the world, got behind this thing and supported it and got it going. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. So why don't you um, start us off at the beginning, you know, where are you from and how did you sort of uh, get onto the path of being a stuntman? I'm from, I was born and raised in the South Bay in Southern California. I live in Manhattan Beach, California, which is, a, you know, it's close enough to Hollywood. I was born and raised in the area. And as a child, uh, I met Evil Knievel. And I mean, you know, Evil Knievel was, uh, the man wore a cape. He was a, a rock star and a superhero incarnate. Every kid in the generation wanted to be like him, oh, yeah. as did I. Oh, absolutely. And so where, where did you go in terms of... Well, what I did was, as a kid, you know, I rode my bicycle and jumped it and did crashes, everything <laughs> uh, to be like Evil Knievel. And for, in fact, my first injury, I think I was like 11 or so, was uh, jumping my Schwinn Stingray over trash cans and I ate it and broke my arm. But heck, it was great because I was like Evil Knievel. Right. That evolution, then I got into dirt bikes and racing and motorcycles. And I was, you know, fairly good at it. I didn't crash that much. But that led to, as a teenager, 17 years old, uh, I met a stuntman who was working uh, in Hollywood. He knew that uh, I rode motorcycles and stuff, and he was working on a classic, starting a classic TV show called Chips about two California Highway Patrol officers yeah. that rode motorcycles. So uh, I was a young kid, and, and I was lucky enough to get in with the right people. I did a few stunts as a kid on Chips, and which led to Dukes of Hazard, And then, you know, pretty much once you're in that, gene pool and circle of guys that are that are stuntmen his work just progresses right right that's amazing yeah i mean i remember you know enjoying evil knievel as well around the same time period and you know like when fonzie jumped the the barrels on happy <laughs> days you know <laughs> Uh, you yeah. know, we were all kind of imitating the stuntmen back then. It was just so much fun. But I think that the general perception is that stuntmen are kind of ja a jack of all trades and they can do anything from acrobatics to driving. But is, is that true or do does each stuntman sort of have his own skill set? You know, one's a good driver. One can do flips and acrobatics. You know what I mean? Uh, yes and no. Back in the day uh, when I got in the business, they weren't really specialty stuntmen. I mean, they were cowboys. That's the evolution of stuntmen. They were right. cowboys. 
and they had to be well-rounded in fights, falls, this, that, and the other. Then the car era came, which was like in 19, in the early 80s and stuff, the, the heyday of cheesy, you know, uh, Hardcastle, McCormick, Dukes of Hazard, BJ and the Bear, right. you know, all of those. And you had to be pretty well-rounded in those. And, and then they later, later got refined into you know there's there's guys that are just acrobatics there's guys that are just martial art fight guys so it it's a loaded question it's both you got to be kind of well-rounded or sometimes you just have to excel in the in your forte that's interesting it's very interesting and you know we had on the show uh bob eubanks a while back and his son Corey went on to become a stuntman do you do you know him have you met him oh i love first of all i love bob eubanks what a cool hombre that guy isn't is. he <laughs> yeah yeah he's very cool yeah Corey and i actually kind of got in the business together he was one of the young guys like me i mean there's all these old cowboys and stuff and Corey and i would look at each other and we, we were kind of the young guys and we kind of buddied up and I love Corey Eubanks. That guy is the definition of a stuntman's stuntman. In fact, I hate him. I like him so much. <laughs> he's so talented and good, and he's good looking and he can sing. And so, yeah, hate that man. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. And now I'm, it's my understanding that it's kind of a tight group, the, the stuntman group. You, it, it's, is it difficult to get into that because you have to kind of know someone? It's a very tight, or at least it used to be a very tight group. It, with the advent of the internet and behind the scenes and stuff, people used to be nobody really knew what a stuntman was. And then came the internet and behind the scenes shows and stuff, and they started to see, and it became infiltrated by, and now nowadays everybody calls themselves a stuntman. But it's a pretty tight group of the guys that have been around and you, you actually need to know who you're working with because you have to trust them uh, with your life. And sometimes they have to trust you with their lives. So you, you better damn well know who you're working with. Right. That's <laughs> so true. Now um, you mentioned in your documentary and we'll get to the actual documentary a little bit later in the show, but um, you did mention that you, you were afraid of heights. So how does that work in being a stuntman if you're afraid of heights? Well, listen, I'm afraid of a lot of things, but yeah, I'm afraid of heights. There is not, and I tell this to my kids, there, there is nothing wrong with being afraid. And it's actually healthy to be, have a fear and, and be afraid. It's how you confront that fear that defines you as a person. I mean, some people freeze, some people, you know, fight or flight. Some people just, you know, deal with it head on. I like to say, uh, be maverick, don't be cougar. You know, right. everybody's scared. I'm really scared of things, but it's it's how I deal with it that defines me as a person. That's great. That's great. So you're almost on a daily basis overcoming your fears and, you know, trying. Absolutely. To... Without question. That's excellent. That's excellent. I wanted to just touch on some of the, the highlights of your career. And obviously, I grew up with these shows, too, like, you know, Dukes of Hazard. And what, what memories do you have of the Dukes of Hazard? <laughs> Having a lot of fun, uh, <laughs> tearing up those beautiful general lees i mean it was just a lot of fun it, that was back in the day before all this new culture of you know lawyers litigation back then you know the older stunt guys would would say jump in that car you know take a shot of jack daniels jump in that car and you better put your foot in it and jump it as far as you i mean it was <laughs> it was fun if you've ever seen a movie called hooper it was very much yes. like hooper Wow. You, you kind of, you know, you you uh, you buckled up and went for a wreck. 
Wow. Nowadays, you know, not so much. But back then, it was a great time to be a young stuntman. Yeah, yeah. I remember that movie, Burt Reynolds. That was really enjoyable. Uh, you also did the show V, which I really, for, for my family, that was sort of an event. What do you remember about that? Oh, I, I, I had so much fun on that show. You know, being, I was either an alien or I doubled, uh, I doubled one of the leads on the show, Jeff Yeager, who's a sweetheart of a man. Oh, cool. Um, it, it was just cool because at the time it was cutting edge. It was aliens. It was just a cool job to go to every day. Nice. That's awesome. And of course, we have to bring up the fall guy because as a kid, that made me want to be a stuntman. I, of course, never did. But I, you know, I had that theme song burned into my brain. Uh, you got to tell us about that and working with Lee Majors and all those the great cast there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that the, even the opening song, I'm the Unknown Stuntman, that yeah. so fittingly fits what we do for a living. A gentleman that brought me into that, who has been a dear friend for many, many, many years, Gary Baxley, who was the stunt coordinator and second unit director. I had already worked with him on Dukes of Hazard. I'd worked with Gary for years. So, so when he got into the Fall Guy to do that, naturally he wanted to surround himself with people he knew. And, you know, I was young at the time and Gary knew I would you know, beat up and get back up and do it again. You know, it was just a, a matter of having some balls and jumping that big old truck or any of the other stunts that they had on the show. It was, it was so much fun. Lee Majors is great, man. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I've been trying to get him on the show. I, I they don't answer back. So <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. Yeah. Well, if, if you speak with Lee, please give him my uh, heartfelt kindest uh, regards. Cause he was very sweet. I mean, he was the $6 million man. Oh, I know. You know? <laughs> Now, what about something like, uh, I mean, you, your career is so long. We could literally sit here for hours, but I'm only going to pick a couple more. Um, Lethal Weapon 4. What can you tell me about that? Because I love the Lethal Weapon series, and those stunts are just uh, amazing. Well, yeah, it was very cool to be asked to work on it. Uh, the gentleman that brought me in, who's in my movie, uh, Stuntman, a gentleman by the name of Conrad Palmazano. We call him Connie. Uh, Connie called me in. Uh, because he was the second director and the, the stunt coordinator. And uh, he said, I want you to come in and do some ballsy, hairy stunts, you know, and which was right up my alley. I said, sure. It was, a, it was very cool to be a part of that show, you know, a small part, but a part nonetheless. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, y did you get to like work with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover in them? Yeah, I did. You know, me and about, you know, a hundred other stuntmen, but <laughs> so I wasn't that close to them, but I did meet them, get to go to work every day with them. It was very cool. I mean, there are, in my, uh, in my opinion, there are, in my career, I've had some really cool moments and, and working with uh, Danny Glover and Mel Gibson certainly was right up there. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it's funny, you know, looking at, I know IMDb isn't always the most reliable source in the world, but, you know, looking at, at your list of credits on there, there were a lot of sitcoms. And one that stood out to me is one of my favorites, like The Big Bang Theory. What stunts are required on something like The Big Bang Theory? Well, a lot of people don't realize a lot. I mean, they're not, you know, you're not exploding cars and jumping cars. There. Sometimes it's just an actor tripping over a step and falling. Oh, and okay. you have to understand that if any one of those actors were to be injured, that stops the show. So they, they you know, they want somebody around to make sure that, yeah, and, and on Big Bang, there were a lot of stunts, believe it or not. You know, Sheldon and Leonard, they would fall, all the cast would fall <laughs> into each other, do things 
that needed required attention. I mean, they always say it's a nothing thing. Well, it's a nothing thing until it becomes something, then it's everything. Right, right. It becomes, actor hurts himself, it becomes a lawsuit or something. Exactly. And and I got involved in Big Bang Theory uh, because of the executive producer, Mr. Chuck Lorre, who I had met and worked with on Two and a Half Men. Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. And so what do you think of, of actors who do do their own stunts, like Tom Cruise, who supposedly does, like, what, 85% of his own stunts? Okay, let, let's let's break through this myth. Yes, Tom, Tom Cruise does his stuff, as does Jackie Chan, okay? Right. And, and I did all three of the Rush Hour movies with Jackie Chan. Oh, wow. But, you, but you, here, let me just put it like this. It's much easier to do something when you watch someone else doing it and perfecting it and testing it out. In other words, I can tell you this unequivocally. Mr. Tom Cruise or Mr. G well, back in the day, Jackie did, but he's smarter than that now. Those <laughs> gentlemen don't do anything until it's been tested out by somebody, by stuntmen. You know, not to take anything at all away from um, Mr. Cruise or Mr. Chan, but I can assure you before they attempt something, it's already been done by somebody else who worked their ass off and risked everything to make sure it would go flawless. So Tom Cruise say has to do a leap from one building to another. They have a stuntman come in and do it first to make sure he can do it. Oh, and, uh, yeah, Absolutely. You have to understand something at this point, these gentlemen are huge commodities and I can assure you no studio or no financier is going to like put up millions of dollars for the expense and say, okay, go try this out, Tom. Let's see if you can do it. It's just, it's not going to happen. No, a stunt guy, put yourself in those shoes. And when, just say you're at the edge of a cliff with water below and you watch your buddy jump first and he does it. He's okay, right? Yeah. It makes you a lot more comfortable to then do it yourself. If okay. you watch your buddy do it and he eats it, you're not going to do it until it's perfected, <laughs> right? Right. right. <laughs> okay, so use that as the example. I can assure you that not a Mr. Tom Cruise or not a Mr. Jackie Chan is going to attempt anything until it's been worked out by a stunt guy. But oh, okay. that's not to take anything away from Mr. Cruise or Mr. Chan. I mean, they do it. Back in the day before Jackie Chan was hugely famous, he did he tested it out as well as did it and, right uh, you know unfortunately <laughs> he paid the price several times and he's much smarter now right right yeah that's amazing what's jackie chan like awesome i mean i had never worked with jackie and had been a fan like everybody else for years uh, i think it's every stuntman's dream is to meet and work with jackie chan wow the guy's a living legend anyways when i got the call to do the first the very first rush hour, which was actually Jackie Chan's first American film. I mean, he had done films like Canadian films, Rumble in the Bronx. Right. He did those, but they weren't American films. Rush Hour was the very first one. Yeah. And when I got the call to do that and, and be the stunt coordinator and do all the action on that, I mean, I was in awe just because it was Jackie Chan. And listen, I, I did all, I was fortunate to do all three of the rush hours and working with Jackie is beyond Thunderdome awesome. That's great. That's great. Oh, man. So, um, you. oh, one other movie I wanted to ask about was um, you worked on The Last Castle with Robert Redford. And 
Um, one of the actors in it was Steve Burton, and he's a, an actor who's been on General Hospital for 20 years, and he does a podcast as well. And he talk, often talks about the stuntmen and his appreciation for the stuntmen, and that they taught him a lot of things over, over the years. Do you recall if you met him on the set of Last Castle and gave him any pointers? To be honest, I do not. Okay. I mean, I'd, I could tell you some great story, but it wouldn't be true. No, I, I don't remember. <laughs> it's so hard to to remember those certain things. And, it, you know, on that show, I, I, I was probably did something minor. I wasn't like one of the key stunt people. So it's kind of, you don't really remember it too much. Right, right. Hey, everybody, this is Mitch Halleck, creator of Terrificon, Connecticut's Terrific Comic Con, telling you that we're back this July 30th to August 1st at the Mohegan Sun Expo Center in Uncasville, Connecticut. But why should you listen to me? Just sit back and listen to my good friend, Larry Kenny, star of Thundercats, a.k.a. Lino, tell you all about this year's show. Take it away, Larry. Welcome back to Mitch Halleck's Terrificon, Connecticut's Terrific Comic Con here at Mohegan Sun. We hope you have a great time at Terrificon, the home of the largest gathering of comic book creators in New England. From the Avengers to the X-Men, Captain America to Batman. Meet your favorite artists and writers who brought your heroes to life at Terrificon. And don't forget to stop by and see the stars of terrific movies, TV shows, and animation at Terrificon. Get an autograph, grab a selfie or professional photo op with your favorite actors. Still want more? Well, you can shop for comics, artwork, toys, games, and cool stuff in our dealer room. You'll find it all at Terrificon. Thank you once again for coming to see us here at Mohegan Sun. And remember, fans, there might be a lot of Comic-Cons out there, but there's only one Terrificon. It's terrific. Hello, this is Rod Barnett. I'm the host of The Bloody Pit the podcast that examines films from across the decades. On The Bloody Pit, we have several ongoing series of shows within the show focused on specific things in genre cinema that I and my co-hosts find fascinating. There's a long-running series focused on Italian maestro Antonio Margheriti's films from the 1960s all the way up through 1990. There's an on-again, off-again series focused on 1970s science fiction films. There's an in-depth look at the Western movies that William Castle made before he struck out on his own and became the horror auteur that we know and love. A look at the classic Coffin Joe films from Brazil. And our long-term project to look at every universal horror film made in the 1940s. That's a long project, people. It's going to take us a long time. Sprinkled in amongst those are various other episodes focused on other stranger areas of cinema, like uh, Lucio Fulci, Dario Argento, and even some obscure British crime films from time to time. So join me and my rotating crew of co-hosts as we examine the stranger side of cinema through an exploitation lens. Except when we don't? Yeah, you never really know exactly what to expect on The Bloody Pit. So join me for The Bloody Pit. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. 
Here your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to the discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kids Radio. So do you sort of move between doing just a simple stunt gig and then being stunt coordinator, or did you go from just from being a stuntman to transition into always being the stunt coordinator? Well, I don't think there's any success. There, there's a few that try to be, but I don't think there's any successful stunt coordinator that has not risen up the ranks from doing stunts himself. I mean, for me personally, as a stunt coordinator, I would not ask any of my stunt people to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do or haven't done myself. Right. And, and so that's the, the evolution or the transition. You go from stunt man to stunt coordinator. I, to this day, still do both. I'm, I'm a stunt coordinator on some projects. And then on other projects, I get called in and I do the stunt myself. And do you find, is it, is it harder when you're doing a science fiction thing like V or even say, a, I, I'm not sure what you did in Star Trek Six, and you can tell us about that, but if you're doing a science fiction or a horror movie kind of thing where you have to wear a lot of makeup or prosthetics and do a stunt, is that more difficult than just doing it as a regular human? Oh, without question. First of all, in my career, I tend now to try and stay away from jobs that require a lot of prosthetic makeup and costumes it's miserable i mean <laughs> being put i i i was i i was uh it was a, a double-edged sword i was fortunate enough to work on a movie a francis ford coppola movie called dracula oh yeah and double and double gary oldman oh wow that i was in awe i was in heaven about that except for the fact i realized that i would spend five hours a day at the head of the day in makeup putting on all these uh, to be the dracula the, the bat vampire i hated that hated <laughs> it with a passion and same thing with star trek uh, i had worked on a couple star treks um but the last one they put so much prosthetic makeup on me and i was so miserably uncomfortable from that point on every time i was at, invited to join one of the other star trek films um i politely declined just oh, wow. because of this. Yeah, it's it's not to me. It's not worth it. I hate it. And do you find like aside from just being hot and uncomfortable, that uh, sometimes prosthetics might be uh, blocking your vision, which you kind of need to rely on to make sure you perform the stunt correctly. Oh, oh, all of that. Yeah, I mean that. Imagine some of the costumes are like being zipped up in a tight with your arms inside, being zipped up in a sleeping bag oh, with geez. your arms. It's 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 incredibly claustrophobic. And then they do, such as Dracula, you get all that stuff on and you can't move, you can't hardly 
then they they glued in these prosthetic teeth like fangs yeah. so you now you can't talk <laughs> and on top of that then they put these hard contact lenses in your eyes oh, so now you can't talk you can't see you can't move <laughs> it is just, no i never want to do that stuff again oh man that's hilarious yeah, I hope that gives you a little insight. Imagine not being able to talk clearly, right. see clearly, and be zipped up with your arms inside a very tight sleeping bag. Oh, yeah. And then go ahead and try and do your stunts. Oh, my God. I mean, there's so many stories of how the guys who played Godzilla in the Japanese movies used to, uh, you know, one or two of them almost drowned because they'd get into the water with the costume hunt and it would get waterlogged and they couldn't get out, you know? Yeah. Oh, listen, I even, and it's not, it doesn't just go to horror movies. I've done a couple of space movies. I, I won't name the huge director who was really cool. I won't name the name of the film, but they put <laughs> me in a space suit inside a mock-up of a capsule, a space capsule. Then once I'm in it, in this terrible space suit with helmet and everything on, then they build the set around me because it's a, like a mercury capsule so I'm in there for out with the lighting and the heat. And then they start the work. Uh, at one point I said, well, you know, I really got to pee. And I know it's like an hour and a half to get me out and redo it. Oh my and God. the director says, I just pee in the suit. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, yeah, it looks really cool. And in theory, it seems really cool. In reality, once you're in it, uh, the novelty wears out in the first two minutes, and then you realize you're going to be there for hours. Right, right. That's hilarious. Oh, man. And so, you know, aside from the canyon jump, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, what, what is the most dangerous stunt that you've ever done? Or are, is there more than one? Most dangerous stunt? <laughs> Do a movie that I'm the subject of. How's that? <laughs> Because I'm totally out of my element and scared to death. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, what's, what's the worst you've been hurt doing a stunt? Well, I like to preface it. I like to preface it right away by saying, you know, even Michael Jordan, he misses baskets in the playoffs every once in a while. Yeah. So no matter, no matter what you do, no, nobody is perfect. And unfortunately, in my line of business, any misstep, can easily end up in the emergency room. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, in, in close to 40 years of doing it, you know, I've had my mishaps, unfortunately. But you know what? I'm still standing and walking and, you know, upright. So I guess I'm doing something okay. That's good. That's good. Is there a favorite stunt that you've done or, or enjoy doing more than once? I, I, I don't put it into single stunts. I put it into experiences like, for the film there are some films that i thought were the coolest and funnest to do uh and then there's ones i would never do i i i can name you a, I, I did a film with charlie sheen called navy seals back oh, yeah. in the late 80s i loved going to work there it was just so cool we you know we were doing cool stunts uh working with charlie is like the the cool you can't the, the guy the dude is cooler than the other side of the pillow i mean <laughs> so it was a fun experience the, the, the navy seals was great i loved every minute of working on that movie um and then you know another movie again i was in heaven um, a movie called the rookie with clint eastwood and charlie sheen oh, and yeah. clint was and clint was directing there's nothing cooler than to go to work every day and and have clint said, Hey, Eddie, 
how you doing? <laughs> what an experience of that every day. Wow. So that's the extent. Of course, all three of the rush hours to me were, were really cool because I'm with Jackie Chan doing, uh, you know, every day doing cool things. So I tend to look at experiences rather than actual stunts. Okay. You know, after a while, it's just stunts. You keep doing them, you do them, you do them, you do them. And, and so for me, it's experience. It's about cool experiences rather than just the cool stunt. That's awesome. And speaking of cool experiences, so, uh, one last actor I wanted to ask you about was Chuck Norris. Cause you did a, <laughs> a movie with him or two, right? And then Walker. I've done several films uh, with Chuck Norris. And, and here's what I like to say about Chuck Norris. And people don't realize long before he was an actor, he was a badass world champion, like for real. Yeah. Right. He, he was a badass world champion. So working with Chuck, oh, bless him. He is uber cool. He is, is, I, I actually am, am very close or dear friends with his two sons, Mike Norris and Eric Norris. Oh, wow. And, and, and Eric is a, a esteemed second unit director, stuck coordinator. I, I talk to Eric almost on a daily basis. And nice. I work with him constantly, but, but Chuck Norris is Chuck Norris. There's a re reason. Now that's a guy who's the legend fits well. It's Chuck Norris. And you know what? If you, uh, if you mess with them, you won't even remember hearing his name again. Right. <laughs> it's Chuck Norris. That's right. The boogeyman checks under his bed every night for Chuck Norris. <laughs> oh yeah. Listen, we could go, we could do a whole podcast <laughs> just on that. Right. <laughs> Oh, did you know that uh, uh, Chuck Norris, you know, first he visited the, the Virgin Islands. Uh, they changed their name. Now they're just known as the island. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we could go on for hours with those <laughs> and get my son in here. And he knows them even more than I do. <laughs> well, did, did you know that, that, uh, that COVID now has to, to get inoculated against Chuck Norris? <laughs> That's great. Oh, when Chuck Norris does a roundhouse kick, he's not actually kicking. He's moving the earth with his other foot. And putting oh, yeah. Let's, let's not get started. We could go on and on, pal. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Him as a man, he is awesome. He is cool. On Walker, on all the shows, he's hanging out with the stunt guys. He's finding, you know, he's thanking the stuntmen, each one individually and personally. I mean, he's that kind of a guy because he came up the ranks, you know, beating getting the crap beat out of him no i don't think so that happens but the other way around he's a very good guy nice nice and now obviously you've doubled for him so is he he the type that he knows his limits when it comes to certain stunts he's a very humble man and he's a very um confident man you know chuck he he lets the stunt guys do their thing and he trusts the experts and he figures well you know I could try this and it might hurt me, but I got to go on and do 10 pages of dialogue afterwards. These stunt guys, they're prepared and rehearsed this. Let's let them do their, their thing. And he's very confident like that. That's great. That's awesome. So let's talk about um, Evil Knievel and his, his failed stunt at the Snake Canyon. The, you know, when he did that initially, there was, I, I read in a newspaper article from uh, 2016, they were talking about, that he, you know, it was supposed to be, he promised a week-long festival. It was going to be celebrities and a golf tournament. He had all kinds of spectators. And then what ended up happening was there was, like, uh, partying and fights. And apparently he was accused of not paying his debts and stuff. So 
the, what exactly happened there <laughs> during that well, event? Let me start out by saying I, I never looked at it like evil from evil failed that. I simply look at it as he just didn't finish it for whatever reasons, various reasons. Who knows? Reasons that might have been out of his control. So I, the, the guy inspired me to, to be what I am professionally and be a stuntman. So he didn't fail in my, in my eyes. He just didn't finish it out. And, uh, and I thought and I knew I could finish it for him, but he inspired me to do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I apologize. Bad choice of words there. But was it a matter of pulling the shoot? Did he pull the shoot or was it an automatic thing? Well, listen, anybody and everybody can speculate an armchair quarterback. Oh, who yeah. knows? Did he pull it early? Did it come out early? I don't know. I wasn't there. And who knows? What I, what I do know is at the height of his career, Evil Knievel never went back to finish it out. And, and me personally, as a stuntman, uh, you know, I've always been raised and tried to teach my kids, let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. So when I told my kids and my colleagues I was going to do this, well, I was going to do it. And, and we were prepared to build several rock. If it didn't kill me, I was going to get across that canyon. <laughs> because I said I would. As a stuntman, that's the other thing. As a stuntman, if you say something, you're going to do something, you better damn well do it or you're not going to have any credi- credibility whatsoever. Right, right. And, you know, I remember as a kid when that came on and I, there was all talk about it and stuff. And when I saw it, I, I didn't understand why he wasn't using a motorcycle on a ramp. You know, I guess the, it's not feasible, right? There's no way to really it, get a motorcycle no. to jump that far. No, it's not feasible. And and he it it was an evolution for him. Went from a jump to the sky cycle to a it just metamorphosed into this other thing. In essence, it was a rocket, a full power rocket. And I realized that the minute that I climbed in it and hit that butt. Uh, however. I do get why Evil Knievel never went back to try it again. I would never want to do that again. Not ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, the fun fact that I heard was that, is it true that Vince McMahon funded Knievel's failed attempt on a a credit card? I I shouldn't say failed. (laughs) Um, To tell you the truth, I don't know. I mean, I, I heard so many fabled stories and, you know, with Evil Knievel, they certainly, the stories get bigger than the, the actual reality sometimes. And I really, I don't know, to be honest. Hmm. I know who funded mine. I can tell you that, but uh, I don't quite know who was involved. I, I don't doubt it. Mr. Kalinival was a very colorful character. So right. who knows? <laughs> now, uh, just getting back real briefly to when you do your stunts, do you ever look at a stunt that went wrong and for example, the 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 tragic one on the set of the Twilight Zone that killed Vic Morrow and the two kids. Do you ever take a stunt that didn't go well and sort of analyze it so that you can learn from it and apply it to your own work? Oh, absolutely. Let's start out by saying first of all, uh, what happened on the Twilight Zone that wasn't really a stunt per se. It was actors in the water being filmed crossing a uh, crossing a gully, right. and then in the distance, some explosions and a helicopter. I mean, on the surface, you know, it sounds like, okay, what's really stunty about that? You're just, but if you start analyzing it, you've got a helicopter, you've got 
a bomb, some bombs going off, even if they aren't close to you. Um, so it became a tragic accident. It was really never designed as a stunt per se. However, nowadays, uh, I know for sure, I would never have my actors doing that until it was worked out perfectly and probably with stunt doubles. Right. But yes, you analyze, I mean, come on, you analyze every accident just as a, a smart human being. Anytime something happens, you go, oh, wow, I don't, I don't want to do that again, or I'll do this differently. That's just common sense. Right, right. And there was one other stunt person I wanted to ask you if you knew who he was. Um, it was from the 70s, and he called himself the Human Fly. And he's the guy that stood on top of the 747 Weller Flu. Do you remember him at all? Okay. First of all, again, we get into that, that I did not know the gentleman, and I can't even recall his name. But there's two different things on a stunt. There, uh, you know, there's a, a daredevil and then there's a stuntman. And those are two pretty separate things. I like to call myself a professional stuntman. Okay. I'm more of a technician. I go and analyze things before I do them or do my best to analyze them. And hopefully I do something that's repeatable and has a predicted outcome. A daredevil just goes and does something and it's like, hold my beer. And let's see what happens. Yeah. And no, I mean, but those are two different. The YouTube is full of daredevils that say, hold my beer, and you see the end result. However, stuntmen are professional. We, we actually, believe it or not, put a lot of thought behind something before we do it. Um, and we have pretty much a predictable outcome based on that work. Daredevils, they just kind of go for it. I mean, it's very cool, daredevils, and, and there's a bit of daredevil in me. But I'm more a, a professional stuntman. I try and reasonably figure it out to get a predicted outcome every time. That's awesome. That's great because I had never actually thought about that. Um, and I think it's good for the listeners to hear that too, that there is a difference between someone like Knievel and the Human Fly versus someone like such as yourself that really works behind the scenes. Because they're doing it, would you say, for the glory and you're just doing it because you enjoy the well, job and you want to do a good job? Absolutely. I mean daredevils are in it to showcase themselves i mean jackass is full of those, those jackass movies they're full of those guys right they do it for themselves and and that's it and they want to be famous or glory or whatever i don't know i don't care stuntmen however are usually the people behind the scenes that work hard you never see their face you never really know that it's them doing it and you know i like to say about my rocket there's a very good reason I called that rocket the evil spirit right. and not Eddie Braun. I'm not that guy. I'm not much of a showman. I'm actually right. quite boring if you got to know me. Um, <laughs> no, I'm a technician that, uh, you know, I go to work. I'm a stuntman day in, day out. You really don't. If I'm successful, you'll, you'll never know I was there, except you'll remember how cool the action looked. Right. So, yeah, tell us how this all came about, how you, you know, you went to do the jump and then um, how you got the documentary going around the same time. And was this something completing this? Was this something that was sort of always in the back of your head that you were like, someday I'm going to do this? Or at what point did this idea kind of come to fruition? Well, as we as I stated earlier, Evil Knievel inspired me as a, as a child to become a stuntman. And doing stunts, you know, it takes a toll on your body. I like to say that, you know, you never really retire from this business. This business retires you. Right. I mean, you get beat up. So uh, the other thing that I've always went by is the fact that you never want to be the last guy at a party. 
you want to leave the party while it's still going good. Right. Right. <laughs> so after a, a career of doing stunts that I'm very proud of and very, you know, I, I've had more than my share of cool stunts. I thought, what a fitting way to, to what would be my mic drop? And, and I thought if I could finish out the dream of my hero, how cool would that be? That'd be a, 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 just a bitchin' mic drop and a bitchin' transition. Yeah. So, so yeah, I thought about this actually about eight years ago. It was September of 2013. Uh, I said, you know, I, I think I can attempt this and I could probably pull it off. And if I could do both those things, it would be a hell of a mic drop as far as that. So I, I, I formed a, and then I thought if I'm going to do the stunt, you know, like a stuntman, I better film it. So I partnered up with a, a gentleman named Steve Golubiowski, uh, who I met through Charlie Sheen. He was Charlie Sheen's personal assistant, actually, for many years. And Steve is, when they say the smartest guy in the room, that's usually Steve. <laughs> and I, thought, I was smart enough to know if I'm going to attempt this, I need someone to help me. So Steve and I got together with another gentleman, Kurt Matilla, who was the director of Stuntman. We formed a company, a production called Driven Pictures. And we thought to ourselves, if I'm going to do this stunt and we're going to film it, we might as well make a movie about it. And if anybody cares at the end of the day, they'll see the movie. So together, we three formed Driven Pictures and we set out to do a stunt that had never been done before, capture it on film and maybe make a film that everybody would enjoy. And that, that was the evolution. That all started in, in September of 2013. And now eight years later is the finished product. It was a, a very long, hard eight years, I must admit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's a lot of um, interesting things that went into the rocket. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how, how did you feel it? Because I was watching the documentary and I was, I, I was trying to figure it out until you kind of do spell it out. But it's, it's heated water, but is there fuel in it too? No, just hot water, 77 gallons of hot water heated up to an incredible pressure. And then you pop the cork and off she goes. That's about how simple it was. That's amazing that it's that simple, yet it's, you've got to work really hard to make it safe, you know? Well, you have to understand, steam is a very powerful source. I mean, we, we, we built a country off of steam, the locomotives. Oh, it's, very, it's very powerful. You just have to know how to or figure out some way to contain that power. So the rocket, in essence, was just hot water. In fact, the trail that comes behind the rocket, when I blasted off, everybody felt like warm uh, drizzle, warm water in my wake. That's amazing. That's unbelievable. And, you know, how was your family was obviously nervous. I mean, they, they kind of depicted in the in the movie, too. And. You know, I don't want to give too much of the film away because I really feel like people should see it because it's amazing. But just tell us a little bit about what went on at home and what they were what they were feeling. Well, in essence, this I didn't want any of my family there on site. And my reasoning was, if I was successful, I knew they would see it over and over and over from so many different angles on film if I was successful. If I was not successful and just splatted there at the canyon, I wouldn't want that image imprinted on my family. Right. So I chose not to have any of them there. And I had to look at this as just another day at work for me. I mean, I was just going to do another stunt, much like I've done over the years, 
And, and you know, I, I, I leave the house, I'm going to work. And if everything goes perfect, I'll be right back. And that's how I did it. This was in my mind, I had to make this just one other stuff. And had I thought of the grandioseness of it, I, it would have just freaked me out. So this was just another stunt, basically, within a movie. Right, right. That's amazing. And so can you tell us a little bit more about your core group that you had working with you? Yeah, I had these rock stars, actually. Guys that were actually my heroes when I got in the business. I had, I had three gentlemen that I could not have done this without. The first guy, gentleman named Gary Davis. Gary Davis actually was Evil Knievel's stunt double. Oh, wow. Gary, yeah, and I worked with Gary on, on Fall Guy. I worked with Gary on Dukes of Hazard. I've known Gary for 30, 40 years. And so he, he was my first phone call. You know, and then my second phone call was to a gentleman named Conrad Palmazano. We call him Connie. This guy, another legend in the business. Uh, and lastly, I called the Uber. I mean, this guy is a rock star stuntman, Mr. Buddy Joe Hooker. These three guys combined have brought you some of the biggest blockbusters of all time. And they're, they're guys that have been in my shoes as far as they all came up as stuntmen. And I knew I could not do this unless I surrounded myself with the best. And with Gary Davis and with Conrad Pomisano and with Buddy Joe Hooker, those guys are the best of the best. And, and they helped me pull all this together. That's amazing. That's amazing. So when you succeeded in this, what was, what was going through your head? Uh, there were, there were so many emotions. It's hard to put it, uh, put it down or describe it. Uh, it was euphoric at first. You, you had to understand during the whole jump, it was miserable. It was, there was no part of it that was fun. Even <laughs> when I knew I crossed the Canyon, even when I knew the parachute had come out, there was no, no joy there because uh, still a lot could go wrong. It wasn't until moments later that it took a few moments for my brain to catch up with the actual speed and everything that I did, that I realized that I actually made it across and I was in fact alive. Very euphoric. And, that, and then at the end of the day is, like I like to say, how many people can say that they fulfilled the dreams of their hero? There's not really many, I could think. Right, and it's something you should be proud of. It's just, it's such an impressive, impressive feat that you've accomplished here. I, well, thank you. Thank you. Again, I, I highly recommend people check out the documentary Stuntman. Uh, one, one last question I kind of had for you was, and just in terms of movies and TV in general, how has C, CGI affected the Stuntman in, industry? Because your credits include movies like Transformers and stuff, so clearly they yeah. still need Stuntmen, right? Yeah, don't don't get me started on that. That's another <laughs> topic. I'm not a huge fan. I like real. I like real. that's one thing I can say about my film that I'm very proud of. There again, I'll repeat this. There is not one frame of CGI in my movie. It is all everything you see is real. Yeah. You know, it's real and authentic. And I think I'm not alone. I think people are craving back for some old authenticness. I'm really tired personally of cgi and all of that and we can, that's a whole nother podcast we can talk about right, right exactly <laughs> you know i just I, i'm not a huge fan i'm sorry uh yeah same here same here and you know and especially when you think about not even just stunts but um you know stop motion animation versus cgi roger ebert once said 
you know, stop motion kind of looks fake, but it feels real. Computer generated stuff looks real, but feels fake. And I think the same goes in, think, in the stunt world too. I don't think it even looks real to some extent. So again, yeah. I'll keep my opinions to myself. <laughs> what I can say about stuntman, it's very real. Excellent, excellent. Do you have any upcoming projects beyond that that you want to plug? Regar, uh, yeah, with, with our company, Driven Pictures, we've got some really cool things in the pipeline. I can't really discuss them now, Okay. but I promise you the minute I can, if you'll have me back on your show, Regar, I would love to sit here and BS with you about them. Absolutely, but absolutely. You can expect some really cool things to come out of Driven Pictures. And you can also expect that I'll say that they're very real. I'm going to try and stay away from the CGI crap. That's just, again, my humble opinion. Well, that's amazing, and it's so exciting. And, yes, you have an open invitation. Come back whenever you want to talk about anything, even if you want to just talk about some of your past stunts and some Chuck Norris jokes. You know, we could do that, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can. Absolutely. Excellent. So uh, do you happen to know the, uh, where listeners can find you online? Online? Uh, they can always go to my Instagram, which is at Crash for Cash, C-R-S-H, the number four, C-S-H crash for cash at crash for cash on instagram or uh crash for cash on uh, facebook I'm, I'm easily found i'm a regular guy so i'm, I'm easily uh, you know or if you're at starbucks in manhattan beach i'm always in there getting coffee i'm that kind of a regular guy actually that's awesome that's amazing boring to a fault probably <laughs> no no this was a very interesting and entertaining and uh, let's not forget too this film stuntman is on disney plus as of july 23rd and uh, we're recording this episode earlier than that, but I'm going to hopefully uh, it'll be posted just if not on just a day or two before the 23rd. So everyone needs to, to get to Disney Plus and check it out. It's called Stuntman. Rigor, thanks for having me. The listeners of Then Is Now, thanks for indulging. If I haven't put you to sleep, thanks for indulging me. And, <laughs> and go check out Stuntman. I hope you like it. If not, I ain't giving you your money back, so don't ask. Right. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks a lot, Eddie. Thank you, Rigor. Well, we hope you enjoyed my interview with the incredible Eddie Braun. Don't forget to check out his new documentary, Stuntman, on Disney+. Remember, you can send your feedback to thenisnow42 at gmail.com. You can also join in the conversation at our Facebook Then Is Now podcast group. Then Is Now podcast is a proud member of the Dorkening Podcast Network, so please be sure to check out our other great shows there at thedorkening.com. You can also visit our website at havenpodcasts.com, where you'll find our sister show, the East Meets the West, in which we discuss Shaw Brothers films and Spaghetti Western movies. And Then Is Now is on YouTube, so please visit youtube.com slash user slash UncleDeath1 to get the latest videos as well as other fun videos. Please subscribe to our YouTube page and also share the video versions of our podcast with your friends to get them to subscribe as well. Don't forget to go wherever you download your podcast from and leave us a great review so that more listeners can find us. You can find us on all the podcasting apps, especially the big three, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Class dismissed. Now podcast is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media.
For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com. <laughs>